The future is now. A world of endless possibilities awaits. At the forefront of this revolution stands Web3, the beacon of innovation, the gateway to the future. Join us as we embark on a journey of discovery and exploring the cutting-edge technologies and revolutionary ideas that will shape the world of tomorrow. This is Web3 Talks, and we're just getting started. And my name is Caleb. I'm the host of Web3 Talks. Today, I have a special person who has co-founded multiple blockchain companies, helped facilitate an AS Roma partnership, and is my new friend as of today. Let me warmly and excitedly welcome Daniela Menci of Digital Bits. How are you, Daniela? Thanks, Caleb. Um, I'm, I'm very good. Thank you very much. And your pronunciation is great. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I, I hate to mispronounce his <laughs> name. I, I'm glad that um, we were able to uh, get that from Brooke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Who who are you? Um, let's start with that. And um, what what got you into? Well, let's start with with who are you? And where did your career start? Yeah. Um, so I like to define myself uh without a definition uh you know i used to say in the past uh, i am with the job title right and uh while right now i'm much more i would say happy and uh, excited to say what i'm doing to explain who i am and uh, and uh, and in fact just to focus on at the end of the day on things that that i do which uh, i think is the best way to define uh, who i am so uh, I'm all in uh, in uh, in the blockchain technology, and uh, I have a passion to bring adoption in the real world uh, with this technology. So this means, uh, and I've been in this space uh, since quite some time. You know, five years. It's it's really a lot into wow. the space that is really changing a lot every six months. You know, it seems to be everything's changed every six months. And uh, so every day, uh, five years, is, yeah, <laughs> almost every day. And then, yeah. and, uh, and that's why, you know, and, and I'm, I'm very passionate about this technology and uh, the transformative nature of it. And even more, I am uh, uh, excited about the things that have not yet been done, which have a focus on building a net positive economic output in the real world. And that's what I am doing. And that's what I'm focused on. Well, that's actually interesting. Let's let's ex explore that if you wouldn't mind. Uh, what's what's missing from that world that you'd like to see where um, people can benefit from cryptocurrency? And and I let me reshape that because I have um, a sickness of continuing to think of this in terms of the United States, but this this is so much bigger. This is worldwide. What affects one country? Um, I mean, we live in almost a globalist economy. How is cryptocurrency um, going to help people um, and increase economic output and what's missing? Yeah, so we can tackle this point by different angles, but I'm trying to break down in different pieces. So first of all, uh, we have a tendency to, to address any type of business, which is transformative by nature, in a kind of brick and mortar fashion, as it seems uh, to be kind of uh, related to a specific jurisdiction, specific country or specific region of the world. So this technology is redefining uh, the paradigm under which technology works, uh, meaning uh, trying to force ourselves to think as the world, 
not as a country. So it's impossible to have a, a worldwide technology that can be used simply all over the world, uh, which has to comply into every single country of the world with local and specific jurisdiction that most of the time are being outdated. So these, uh, if you want to do something great, you need to force yourself to think in a different way. And it's not about the best technology, the best throughput, and the best innovation in the space that comes by chance, simply by iterative thinking and by incremental product updates or product upgrades. It's much more about how do we think to make things better, okay? So, and the frame for me is very simple. First of all, we are part of the same planet. We all live in the same planet, assuming that the heart the herd, sorry, is the planet we're living into. So that's one. It's not many, not hundreds of, it's one planet. And uh, we need to think about how can really seamlessly interact uh, using this technology framework, which help to do something. It doesn't have to do everything. I cannot cook with the blockchain, for example, but I can transfer efficiently value. And that's uh, one of the things that really blockchain is it's meant to do very, very well. So, and to me, the focus, or at least the mental model is more about how can we make this happen in a way that uh, we all feel okay with this innovation, not obviously breaking the laws, but uh, assuming that laws can change or can adapt into something that today does not exist yet, okay? So in fact, rather than, uh, I would say, complying with something that perhaps it works uh, in the previous world or 20 years ago. We're trying to define a new standard that works, uh, you know, in a forward-looking manner. This means uh, at the end of the day, it's much more about how do we envision how the things will be in 20 years from now? And then we try to reverse and then say, okay, what can we do now to change things that perhaps are outdated? And I'm advocating this process. So, I mean, obviously uh, the project which I'm, you know, involved day and night is Digital Bits. But uh, I, I'm trying to help uh, uh, regulators and policymakers in different jurisdictions to think out of the box and to help, you know, these frameworks to evolve. Uh, that's one aspect of the things I like, and, but also interested in, uh, in uh, helping people to reframe strategic thinking on how to best use this technology. I can explain a little bit more detail, but uh, essentially, for me, what is very fascinating about this in how can we bring this into the real world where everyone in the world can use it? Yeah, exactly. And, and even based on what you said, I mean, even though that's understandable to us, to most people, um, they just be like, what did, what did you just say? Because there's a education curve to get into blockchain. It takes so long just to understand um, what a cryptocurrency is, uh, how it functions. I think people can understand it to a simple degree, but um, if you want to start answering people's questions on how do these work together, can I, um, <clears throat> what's ERC-20, when you get into the details, you really do <laughs> yeah. have to learn. Uh, and it's, it, you know, it's <laughs> it, it's a big educational curve. So because of that, um, how, how what's your plan on, um, I guess I'm trying to lead into uh, AS Roma because I was very, um, intrigued by that the, because of the education curve you have to incentivize people to want to learn like what why are people going to want to learn about this stuff even though it's going to benefit their lives a lot of people will 
um, value convenience over everything. Uh, TikTok is a big example. Um, so what's your plan on getting that attention? Um, is AS Roma kind of part of that plan? Just because a lot of people are, are um, into football um, worldwide. Um, is that part of why you decided to partner with them uh, as opposed to any other um, the club or any other business? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty broad question. I'm trying to um, uh, to answer um, again in uh, in specific details, um, just to help anyone not having a full context on what is this about. So first and foremost, I think the value or at least uh, the relevance of educating the use of a technology, in my view, it's, uh, uh, I would say, it's not that important if it comes at first. For example, I mean, all of us using social media, I mean, all of us using messaging application like WhatsApp, like, uh, um, and Facebook as social media or Instagram, have everyone or as anyone explained how to use them? No, we just use it because it was simple. We have people already there, our friends, and we want to do, you know, messaging groups. And at that time, the only way to do it was using WhatsApp because uh, other people were using Skype and other SMS at the time. I was in that line of business, so I know very well the history of it. So, but the moment WhatsApp came, it was very simple to use it and people didn't even have to upload the contact number because it was automatically fetched from the phone directly. So we didn't even realize how to use it. We just use it, it was simple. So to me, cryptocurrency and blockchain uh, should follow the same path. And if they don't, there's a problem and we will never go to mass adoption. Because if you have to explain why, maybe technology is not that great. Maybe you're stretching too much that this technology is meaningful to address a real world problem, because maybe it's not. So to me, it's much more uh, enabling genuine and valuable use case for, for which people start using that piece of technology without even realizing are using cryptocurrency blockchain and then eventually you can you can expand the education with uh, you know how can these uh, technology can be expanded to address other use cases that perhaps are not yet instead of doing the hard way and saying that's the reason why you have to use it i mean i never i was never trained to use apple but i use it because i like it and it's kind of if ux and the technology is beautifully designed uh, then you don't have to invest too much in education on the why. It's much more making sure that the technology is visible and you promote the core values of the benefits that this technology brings. So that's why I have a kind of contrarian view about the how to, you know, bring this technology on, on the mainstream. Coming back to the question concerning the partnership, more broadly, I, it's very, I don't speak specifically about single partnership or single brands because digital bits is an open source technology. Okay. So, and uh, giving too much relevance to a brand A to brand B, it goes not really in the direction of the genuine promotion of a wide adoption of technology without pushing one or the other in front of the adoption of the technology itself. So in the past, obviously, there's been a lot of focus about specific partnership and specific brands 
that had a massive audience and a massive promotion when it comes down to brand awareness. But my role is much more about technology adoption and less or a little bit less about brand awareness, especially in crypto, because I think we really need uh, a lot of focus at doing things for real and making sure that option kick off. And when I say adoption, I'm talking specifically about the fields um, that um, I feel there's a lot of benefits in using technology, which is mostly related to the payments. Sure, in the past, AS Roma integrated, um, so the digital Bitcoin, uh, to use the coin as a method of payment to the retail stores and retail flagships. That is a big achievement and validation for our technology. Uh, but right now there are other brands, retail brands, they're really fine tuning on how to enter mainstream with this technology without explaining too much. What is the blockchain? What is crypto? Yeah, no, I, I guess, I mean, we, we've talked about digital bits enough where I guess we should, uh, we should finally talk about it. <laughs> so let's talk about it. it from, from what I was reading, digital bits is um, from the ground up. It's a layer one blockchain. Uh, why did you guys um, write this one? What is it? What is it that's different about digital bits? That's different from, let's say other blockchains like Forte. Um, Cause I, I think Forte also kind of advertises that they prioritize speed and, and um, security. What makes digital bits, uh, well, what is digital bits and, and what sets it apart? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that any layer one, and there are many, I would say there are many, many. So right now there are more than 12,000 and uh, crypto wow. projects. Yeah, most of them are tokens, less of them are layer one, but I think I count hundreds of layer one projects. So everyone claimed to be the most efficient when it comes down to cost, the speed and, and energy consumption, the best consensus protocol, and everyone competes with their own value. The reality is that uh, all these uh, uh, keywords are very interesting for people that really breathe and eat technology. And most of the people in the world, they don't. At the end of the day, what really matters to me for layer one is uh, having a very scalable blockchain, meaning that it can grow without uh, too much restriction. Uh, it is very efficient when it comes down to processing transaction and it's very cheap with a confirmation time that is predictable. What does it mean? So if you want to make a payment, you cannot be dependent on the network uh, traffic or network congestion to have a confirmation within a few seconds. You want to make sure that every time you pay or every time you use the network in uh, one, two, three seconds, maximum five, you have a confirmation and your transaction goes through, no matter how many other people doing exactly the same. That's what I feel it really matters. There are many blockchain that are doing this. It's not only digital bits. What I think the angle that digital bits is following as being uh, you know very relevant is uh, uh, what really matters for brands and consumers to adopt this technology at scale, which is uh, uh, encouraging them and eventually with the good values to, to use the chain uh, for a specific use case. And the use case for digital bits is very simple, to create an ecosystem of uh, loyalty and rewards where brands can interact each other with consumers. It's very simple. 
So the idea is to decentralize in a way the loyalty economy where brands and consumers interact with loyalty schemes. Digital Bits plans to be this uh, ecosystem, which is a cross-brand ecosystem where everyone can interact with each other. And the first use case to be addressed is uh, payment. Because once uh, I tested myself, once you pay with a coin, with a wallet, you trust a lot. And it's not something that happens by chance because most of the chain have never experienced a retail payment ever, even though they claim to have billions of transactions, which essentially are peer-to-peer -peer transactions between wallet and wallet. But in the case of digital bits, it's more about how this transaction touched the real world, meaning I can buy a product and someone eventually get the benefit of this transaction. That's where the benefit comes into play. And which which transaction are these? Because my first thought was, <clears throat> well, let me let me just let me just share what, what the thought was um, with loyalty um, reward systems, but where you have points for. So if you have points for Walmart, right, and I have a hundred points, and it doesn't get me a lot, and I don't really shop there, I actually go to Target. Um, what if I, in your system, would I be able to use those points at target? I know it's a ridiculous example. Uh, is that the kind of loyalty system that, that yeah. you're creating? Yeah, I think uh, what uh, blockchain and crypto in general have proven to work really well is uh, to create uh, um, a liquid, the secondary market. So as every asset can be exchanged or swapped with another asset running on the same chain. And yeah. these, it works very well. So this means this is a proven use case. So then you think about this use case, you bring on another, so you bring on this case on digital bits chain with all these, uh, I would say, working uh, uh, functionalities. And then you add the layer where brand A and brand B create their own uh, loyalty coins and they can swap loyalty coin A with loyalty coin B in a liquid market. And they can create across the brand's uh, reward schemes. So think about today, uh, if you want to redeem a loyalty points, it's a very cumbersome and clunky process and it's not liquid, meaning you are the user experience, essentially it's limited to the brand and the process is very disjointed. Eventually it impacts interaction with mobile, with email, SMS, other, I would say steps which uh, essentially are not great from a UX standpoint. The idea here is not the idea, is what we're doing actually, is using a wallet. If every interaction between brand A and brand B or consumer A and consumer and brand A happens within the wallet, which helps consumer to keep a valuable information, including data, secure, because they don't have to comply with local jurisdiction. Web3 wallet by nature are I would say uh, data privacy compliant because uh, there's no personal data. So when I was saying, and uh, coming back to my first statement, we are building a future where we all live in the same planet. It goes in the direction of empowering web three transaction because over there, there will not be first name, last name, date of birth. There will not be mobile number. There will be just a public address, which is protected by a private key. That's where freedom comes into play to my view. Freedom of, uh, in terms of privacy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that, I mean, that's, that's the world that uh, I'd like to live in. <laughs> and I'm mm -hmm. glad that I'm glad that you're part of that.
Um, I, yeah. I do have another question. Uh, oh, I'm, I didn't know if you wanted to say something. No, it's fine. No, and I just wanted to, to give a little bit more context about, you know, coming back to my first statement about, you know, the yeah, meme. So what, what I am, what I'm doing, and at the end of the day, you know, everything I'm doing, it goes into the same direction. It, it, oh, it goes in which direction? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm really glad that you explained everything that the way the way that you did. Um, and on that, I do want to commend you on your ability to educate because part of the, in my opinion, I think that every Web3 project leader or founder, or at least the face, ha has to also uh, dual as a um they have to double as an educator they have to be able to know how to explain what blockchain is um on top of just the product because it's we're not just servicing the product to the to the web3 community or the crypto community it's for the world these are real world solutions and they work right now they they work today and and they're just readily available so i i just want to commend exactly. you that. i'm glad that you are really articulate in explaining these these concepts exactly how do you envision the future of the brand economy as, as more organizations adopt blockchain tech? Um, I, I know that you kind of you kind of got into it. You, you two touched on it a little bit in your last answer. Sorry, um, are you asking about the brand economy or you came back to the previous one? No, no, no. I, I know you, you touched on it a little bit in your previous okay. question, but um, let, let, let's get into the brand economy. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, let's say uh, I can give many examples here, um, and uh, and what I think what is relevant is that without uh, you know overeducating, let's say people, um, we need to make sure that uh, you know brands, which uh, you know was um, you know the brand itself is the most valuable intangible intangible assets they have as the assets they own. The brand is very valuable for them. So assuming they do whatever business, the brand for them is very valuable. And the moment they associate the brand with uh, technology, in a way they entrust. So they 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 give uh, a plus to the technology, saying, you know, I trust it. So, and I think um, one of the key goals of project like ours, which is not the only one, by the way, but is to make sure that also the, you know, the way branding itself is being built uh, with the technology that is being chosen to, to address a specific use case, uh, it works really well. And the brand values are captured by the partnership. So that's why it's so important that uh, there is a kind of an alignment. And I can tell you, you know, things changing very rapidly um, and if I look back two years ago, it was not like it is today. So there's a lot of lesson learned here in the space by project like ours that went through different phases and mistakes and corrections and things that could have been done better on a different there, whatever. But uh, I think mistakes uh, are the cost of learning. And uh, there's a lot of mistakes that happen and there will be more to happen. But what I can say here is that uh, in order to empower really brand economy to prosper, I think it's very relevant to, to bring a, a peace of mind to brands that this technology address 
specific needs and eventually is downplaying a bit when it comes down to pushing too much in front of PR and media. I think it's much more, uh, I want to say a downplay with players like ours, which are more humble to partner with big brands without pushing too much the relevance of a partnership between the brand and the technology. It's much more you know, progressive adoption instead of pushing too much headlines on the PR and media in order to hype partnership. And eventually I'm much more right now in the idea that perhaps a progressive partnership in the long run works better than pushing too hard upfront that eventually might result in a downgrade over time leading to, uh, I would say, uh, not met expectations. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. Um, where do you see the, the future of this in terms of, um, well, what are your, what are your thoughts on AI? Right. Cause that, that's where I was going to go with this. Um, I was going to see if maybe, um, do you guys have any plans on, um, integrating AI in any, in any reason, uh, in any case, or for any reason? Um, I know that a lot of crypto, uh, projects are looking into integrating AI into their coins, um, for various different things, either if it's an NFT or, um, but in, in any case, is your, is your company, um, exploring AI? I would say, um, um, we use it the technology for different purposes. And, uh, I think AI, um, it is very relevant uh, in, in the things we're doing uh, to, to test some use case and to test some scenarios with a kind of, um, um, I call it the base rate, let me say like this. So you want to start something new, but you don't have any data. So, and you want to test your hypothesis. So you might think of prompts and eventually you, you expect to get something out of it to enhance a bit. So. If you want to do something really new in the space, we have no base rate. So at the end of the day, anything we're doing, it's, uh, it's not educated guessing, it's just guessing. Okay. So to me, AI, it's very, very helpful when we work with data in a way that we can really define the base rate of anything we can do next. Can be marketing, can be communication, can be product, can be identifying new segment or new ideas in the market. Uh, when it comes down to tokens, so tokens and, and you know, token offerings um, um, as a whole, I think it's, it, it's very interesting. Uh, and this is something that we have started to think of. It is, uh, let's say you are a brand A and uh, you want to launch your loyalty offering that no one has ever done the same way you are thinking of. And there might be the brand B, which is either your competitor is playing in another field. And you want to compare whatever idea you can think of, whether it sounds reasonable versus what has been already done, which doesn't look exactly the same, but it sounds like. So, and to me here, AI is very powerful to identify metrics of comparables to shape uh, things that at the end of the day, uh, when I say makes sense, uh, when I say makes sense is much more about things that might have a chance of uh, success. And success for me is just a matter of adoption. So we are building uh, models that try to predict the level of adoption in the real world. 
So to this extent, I think AI will be of instrumental importance to have the space to grow. Um, besides, uh, <clears throat> besides that, what's what's next on the docket for Digital Bits? Um, are, is there an upcoming project, uh, partnership, or a development in the pipeline for Digital Bits that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, I mean, uh, um, I would say, uh, so the project itself uh, is in the process of launching uh, um, a mainnet upgrade which supports uh, uh, DeFi and decentralized exchange. And uh, this is a kind of a key shift for a layer one project because a layer one project is relevant uh, predominantly if uh, the market is well established and if there is liquidity on the protocol in a form of TVL, so total value lock and other parameters. So to this extent, the decentralized exchange and DeFi are all the fundamental importance. So. Uh, Digital Bits uh, is in the process of supporting DeFi and uh, automated market maker. And uh, a new decentralized exchange will be launched uh, in weeks. So uh, the target would be to upgrade the protocol by the end of May, sorry, end of June. And, uh, and to have the decentralized exchange uh, coming right after. And plus there are other initiatives that will come on top of the decentralized exchange. And I think from that moment onwards, so the project itself will configure with the thick box as being, uh, you know, uh, a layer one, which can compete uh, by any means with, uh, with other projects. So it's very important right now to get to this stage because uh, I mean, the, um, so mainnet is a, a full integrated since October, August, October last year. So it's very recent. And uh, this means uh, there is a lot of uh, growth trajectories that will follow uh, the launch of this decentralized exchange with uh, very interesting community uh, initiatives going the direction to reward users uh, depending upon the adoption and the loyalty. Yeah, that's awesome. And um... there are other partnerships, uh, I would say, when I say partnerships, is much more about. Uh, uh, partners that commit to use the chain since day one. Because uh, uh, when I say us, so Digital Bits Foundation, we have just one goal, making sure that any partner that come use the chain as of day one. So, and that's, uh, you know, the core of everything we're doing. So I cannot really um, anticipate the partnerships that will come along but uh, we have quite some that uh, will start using uh, uh, digital bits chain with meaningful use cases. So these I can say. Yeah, no, I think that that's I think that that's awesome. And uh, there was a question in, in what you said that it, uh, it keeps escaping me. Oh, do do you guys ever Sorry. get affected by bad macro news in the crypto world? Uh, like for example, this morning when BlockFi just filed for bankruptcy does that does that affect you guys in any way in terms of like do you ever get calls from clients and they're just like hey like what did you think of this um do people get shaky um i would say you know there's a so there are different things that happen in the history of this project um in terms of uh, you know that partnership that didn't didn't go in the direction that was expected was anticipated I think that's pretty uh, 
and I, I, again, just not to misrepresent things, I'm talking about, uh, you know, on uh, uh, the, the entity which I represent, which is Digital Bits Foundation, which is a kind of a caretaker of the community of Digital Bits. Um, emotions are really moving uh, quite quickly in the space. And uh, sometimes when things are good, they tend to be better. When things are not that good, I would say, they tend to be worse. And uh, there is a kind of, uh, um, you know, extreme uh, uh, sentiment in uh, uh, in the way things are lived by uh, the community. So in terms of, I would say, if we spot, if we feel a kind of element, specific element of concern, those elements of concern are addressed by the community specifically about things that are happening about digital bits, specifically. You know, things that are going well, things not going well, uh, some PR that didn't do well, some other things that, um, you know, are better off. So in terms of uh, other stuff, um, I, I mean, I, I don't spot it in a way that uh, we have a specific element of concern coming from, um, I would say, other projects. If I can say we have an increasing element of uh, inbounds through different touch points, which are requiring, which are asking uh, when, um, so digital bits will be integrated with uh, cold wallets providers like Ledger, like Trezors and so on and so forth. Contrary to the common belief, uh, this is not uh, something that uh, uh, the project itself can influence. So the project can do something. So the project can develop uh, or um, third parties can develop uh, an application program, which runs into the device, you know, ledger, treasure, whatever. But the end word, it's from them. So, and specifically now, um, you know, some projects uh, decide uh, just to prioritize ERC 20 coins. They're putting them into the priority list because uh, it's simple and there is less development work. So, and in the case of Digital Bits, which is a, a standalone blockchain, it's a fork of Stellar, has enhanced uh, to some extent uh, some parameters of a Stellar blockchain. Then it gets, when it comes down to integration, we have to follow a longer roadmap. So essentially we have to queue. <laughs> so that's why uh, we have that, to wait. That's to become a, like an, that, that's to become an authorized cryptocurrency? Yes, correct. Yes, that's correct. So How long is you, that you, pipeline? Oh, well, it, I, it depends. Uh, it depends. So the pipeline depends on, uh, it might be the ranking of the project and uh, it might depends by other parameters that they individually define. And obviously the goal is that, uh, you know, digital bits should be on every cold wallet and eventually in any uh, um, non-custodial wallet, but it takes more time. And, uh, and what is not understood in crypto is how much time it takes to do things. So there are some projects and I don't want to say that Pepecoin is on top of my list, but, uh, if you see Pepecoin, you didn't even realize it went everywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, probably there was, I mean, they've done a good job maybe from a market standpoint. And uh, and they got priority on everywhere. 
which is good for them. And um, there are other projects that perhaps enter the market a little bit slower and they get lower priority. So, and, uh, and uh, you know, is, is how this industry function. So this means uh, integrating a new chain, unless you are in the top uh, 50, top 100 project by any means, it takes more time. So just a matter of time and queuing, be patient and, and trying the right arguments to get things done. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, that that's awesome that you guys have that though uh, on the pipeline. Yeah. What's it is. what's your um? I guess I want to take this more in a direction of your uh, personal thoughts, Daniela, on the cryptocurrency landscape. What's your biggest concern with cryptocurrency right now? Is it adoption? Is it is it people's uh, negative thoughts towards it? Um, maybe regulation. What is your biggest concern with the cryptocurrency landscape? Um, I would say, you know, I, I, I have a good memory. Okay. So then, uh, I look back in the time, I mean, I look back, uh, years ago and, uh, I've been always hearing element of concern, regulation, custodian and uh, other stuff all along since 2016. And it's always the same. I have to say that, you know, if we see this broadly, seven, eight years, uh, you know, there were tremendous advancement and improvement beyond uh, any possible level of imagination anyone of us could have done. So I have no particularly element of concern. What I think is that crypto, it's a piece of a broader picture. So is not a standalone industry because crypto has different touch points, has a touch points with the economy, has a touch point with financial markets, has a touch point with, uh, you know, overall how the world function and is not in a standalone, in a standalone environment. So I'm much more, when it comes down to, let me say in brackets, element of concern. I mean, the element of concern are much more macro than micro because you know, um, if things progress from the outside world perspective, you know, technically, I mean, there's still a war right now. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the net economic output is still, uh, is not going well. So we have raising interest rate. We have a level of inflation, which is a, a big question mark. So there are some, I mean, there are, I would say a level of uncertainty, which obviously is not the role of crypto to address because it's part of a macro picture. So to me, from a crypto standpoint, I mean, I would say rather than what are the elements of concern is much more, how can we really help things to get better? And to me, the only way I can contribute is to bring, uh, you know, blockchain crypto in the real world. So as people can use the technology, so as we can create a real adoption in the real world. That's the only thing that really matters to me. So, and uh, what is relevant is uh, to, to talk about this and uh, to educate others to do the same. Because I think crypto really need to enter in the real world. When I say real world, I mean, making real life transaction to buy product and service uh, everywhere in the world. So that's to me, it's not the other concern, it's much more uh, what can we or what can I do to get things better to this extent? So I'm not particularly concerned 
about anything specific. And I'm, uh, I'm curious, going back to digital bits, I wanted to ask you about a project. I'm gonna have to pull up the, uh, the sheet. It was, oh, you had a brand partnership with Grissini Racing's uh, Fabio Di Giantonio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that. What, what, um, what did you guys do for him? So um, MotoGP as a sport is very interesting. Uh, MotoGP is, um, I would say it's, uh, it's part of a uh, sports that, uh, are being labeled as, uh, as in a growth phase. So there are sports that grow quicker than others. MotoGP is one of these. I personally believe that MotoGP, it's, uh, one of the most exciting sports in the world, which doesn't have, uh, I would say um um the level of attention it deserves i'm more excited to watch uh, MotoGP nowadays than formula one grand prix mm. so by the end of the day when it comes down to level of attendances Mot formula one and the brands that participate to formula one formula one is you know by any means uh bigger than MotoGP. So MotoGP, it, it is a category that is very interesting because uh, has a very interesting target audience, you know, millennials, Gen Z, and so on and so forth. It's a very, very exciting sport. Fabio, uh, it's, a, it's a brand and product ambassador, and it's a guy that helped us to improve uh, uh, product awareness, and uh, he will launch specific product that can be only uh, purchased with uh, uh, cryptocurrency. So this means Fabio is a, is a doer and is a user. So this means it's very, I mean, it doesn't happen very often to have a brand ambassador like a MotoGP rider like Fabio, which truly understands the technology and, and how, can, how can you use it for good, you know, to get to, to, to improve it. And uh, so, He's a rider of uh, Ducati Grazini team. He's doing great. I mean, he's improving uh, race by race. More importantly, he's dramatically helping us to properly position a product into kind of a MotoGP target audience. And uh, that's why we expect to expand the footprints of this collaboration to get more and more into growth sports like MotoGP. I cannot really tell more. Yeah, Moto oh, and that that's okay. Uh that uh, what you shared was was awesome. I, I didn't even know that MotoGP was uh a thing until I'm looking it up. It's those motorcycles that you kinda Yeah. yeah. To, like, the yeah. Corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I mean uh, you have to you have to you have to be present, you have to watch again um um a race and uh the next one, by the way. Uh, will be in Italy and, uh, and, uh, you know, it would be great. And, uh, maybe I will be there. When is it? I'm just, I'm just curious. But this is always, uh, I think in the first, uh, um, I think is around the first week of June, something like this. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'll be able to make it, but, um, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll catch it's it up. next to, it's next to Florence. It's called Mugello. It's a super beautiful, uh, track. And uh, Fabio last year made pole position. So it's, uh, um, 
No, it's an interesting race. So, by the way, I mean, regardless of the, I would say the, the 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 exciting sporting element of the of the business, which is nice, which is essentially, I mean, just a, this is the fun part of it. What is really relevant is, uh, you know, his role as um, as a product ambassador, and I think, uh, I mean, we're very proud of this because uh, it's 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 a blueprint of how things can be done in crypto and in blockchain in a sustainable fashion. So you see someone that is fully engaged with the technology and is helping technology to grow in a good manner. And it's not just a, you know, a brand ambassador you know, that uh, is, is promoting uh, with headlines and PR and so on and so forth. I'm very, very, very focused at building adoption with core true values since the beginning in a sustainable fashion. Because we've seen in the past, um, you know, not very sustainable brand ambassador sponsorship or partnerships and so on and so forth. And I think since we have to work to drive and increase the credibility and, and trust into this technology, I mean, we need to make sure that any agreement which comes into play with, uh, uh, you know, brand ambassador alike, like Fabio in this case, uh, you know, work in a, in a kind of long journey. Uh, manner and brings true value to the project. And so we're very proud of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I guess you guys have a common theme. You guys um, have a lot of partners that are into like sports, like the the racing and, and football. Have you guys... Sports is nice. The sports is nice, uh, but it's not the only one. So in the past, you know, I mean, for a period of time, there was an association between digital bits and sports. It seems to be like the sport company in a way, which is not. So Digital Bits is a blockchain, it's an open source project, it's, uh, it's advancing this technology in the retail world. So in the future, there will be less focus on sports and more retail. Which, uh, which, which kind of retail companies would you go after first? I mean, like uh, food, um, clothing, uh, supermarts, like, like Walmart? There are different uh, different verticals which are very relevant in the things. Uh, um, so this project is focusing at. I would say it's not more about the industry itself or the vertical itself, but it's more about the brand itself and how for you know how relevant is the experience for the brand that can be tackled with Web three interactions. So. You might be, for example, in the fashion uh, in the fashion industry. You might have brand A and brand B. They still operate with the same umbrella, but uh, the level of engagement and the experience that is driven by a Web three payment might be relevant from brand A, might not be relevant from brand B. So, to me, the interaction with the payment using crypto Web three is much more about uh, an experiential partnership in a way that involves a retail experience uh, related matters, then, uh, okay, it's a commodity, use this technology because you pay less. That is not relevant in my view, because at the end of the day, the user experience, it will redefine how brands and consumer work together. So if you compete with fees, I don't think there's much chance for anyone to, to enter into the brick and mortar industry where there are billions and billions of dollars about you know big big players in the space you cannot really compete with this especially if you come with a new technology when it comes as a as a relevant i would say item is uh, how can retail experience be redefined 
to the benefit of both brands and consumer. And in that case, it's not a matter of fees. It touch multiple aspects of the business. And I think Web3 can be very competitive at doing so. And uh, I know I've asked you a lot of questions about digital bits. Just, just one more. Um, <laughs> how do you see the... I'm basically going to ask you like uh, if you can predict the future on, or what's your opinion on how you guys are going to start servicing people once more and more companies uh, adopt the service that you guys have, which is um, creating brand economies for, for companies. So as, as more and more people hop on, um, how are, how is that ecosystem going to be shaped? Um, is there going to be more utility? How do you, how do you see that happening? And and is is this forward compatible? What you're setting up for people? I mean, it's a very very broad question. Um, you know what I'm interested uh, when I am asking prediction or I am being asked about prediction. What is what is relevant to me is uh, how you frame um, a prediction instead of you know you know, guessing or educating guessing about the number, okay? So to me, um, we need to take steps, which I've never taken in the past. That's number one. So this leads me to think that we will have uh, um, a broader adoption. We have a big validation points that, uh, and you can e even, you can even use a chat GPT and ask uh, why, uh, blockchain and, and crypto is relevant for retail brands. And the answer is very often the same. So once you use this technology, then you have fundamental improvements versus the web two world and the web one world. This lead me to think that uh, the potential is huge because this is not, I would say questioned, or this is not challenged saying, I don't trust. So meaning that all those, I would say, key benefits are there is the how that makes the difference, meaning how you bring this uh, in the real world. So to me, the prediction to answer to your question is, uh, uh, is uh, not to think that, uh, you know, there will be millions or billions of users uh, every, every second year but it's much, it's much more about how can we get to the first million to use the technology that will bring to the next 100 million that will bring to the next billion because at the end of the day, all this works with network effect. The first million is very difficult because right now, uh, if I'm asking anyone, how many brands are using crypto to pay? How many transactions happen? How many cryptocurrencies are being used as a payment tool? It's very difficult to answer to this question because there's no metric, there's no base rate, as I said before. So to me, we need to get to 1 million users to use crypto as a method of payment in the real world to empower the next 100 million, to empower the next billion. And I think uh, this is the journey. By the time we get to the first million using crypto as a method of payment, I think this can be relatively get to 100 million very, very quickly. Because the biggest part is to get to the first, uh, I would say, target group. The trust is technology, it can reference this technology in a kind of word of mouth fashion, because it's a significant improvement. So 
to me is uh, uh, it's all about advocating, doing it, and explaining and educating why uh, this technology can be trusted because others are using it. So the prediction is, uh, um, I feel that uh, um, by you know relative low amount of years, three to four years, two years, five years, it's very difficult to say how it moves. I mean, there will be significant improvement in the space. Uh, how many users can be reasonably um, can reasonably use um, crypto as a method of payment? I cannot say. What I can say is that uh, there will be brands that today are using crypto and blockchain to test the PR using NFT, metaverse to see also what is the responsiveness of the of the users. They will more and more use a crypto as a payment tool to test their Web3, um, I would say, journey. So I can't really say how much or how many, but uh, that's the directional improvement I do see at the moment. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I just always like to ask people um, the future. You know, I mean, there's no way to know, but, um, you know, it's, it's good to exercise uh, the imaginative mind. Um, but I, I I do have one more question for you. Where can we find information on on digital bits? People listening, and uh, where can people follow you? I would say I mean the best place is always website and Twitter space. So Twitter, sorry, Twitter. Uh, um, so the Twitter handle, which is digitalbits.org, and uh, I think uh, the native content is mostly produced on Twitter, um, which is a. Uh, um, which is uh, um, uh, very relevant to spread word of mouth of the project. And there are all the other socials that can be used, Discord, uh, uh, Telegram, and, uh, and Medium, much more for disclosure documents and other stuff. But if I have to say website and Twitter, website is digitalbiz.io, are uh, the most, uh, I would say, meaningful. Not the others are not, but uh, I would say if you tackle those two, digitalbiz.io and Digital Bits Org handle on Twitter, then you can get most of the information. And I can link all of those in the description, uh, so people will be able sure. to easily find them as well. Um, sure thing. Uh, Danielle, I, I wanted to thank you so much for being on with me. Kelly, it was a great, great pleasure. I love the questions. I love uh, also when you answer me when you ask me something which I didn't know how to answer with my pose and whatever. So you know, I really appreciate. Uh, um, my presence here. Thank you very much for hosting me. Yeah, thank you so much for your answers. Uh, I know I was I uh, was kind of abrasive uh, with a lot of the questions, but you you answered all of them. So uh, it's great to have you. Thank you so much, and we'll talk thank soon. You. Bye bye. Soon.